Hey guys, the next time you catch yourself staring, don't forget, she's daddy's little girl. Stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Habemos papan. Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's the Catholic Hack with Joe McLean. Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven. The Church of the Living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 Do this in memory of Welcome back to The Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and this is episode number 69. And today, I'm going to share with you an interview that I recorded months ago. I know, it's pretty shameful. I can't believe I have allowed this to go on for so long. I really wanted to share this interview with you sooner, but the circumstances of life, what else can you say? And I think you can relate to that. Well, I think you will also enjoy this interview. It's with Mickey Addison. Now, Mickey is a contributor at SQPN and Rosary Army. He's also a contributor over at Catholic Exchange of which you can now find the Catholic Hack podcast there on its main page. So check that out, catholicexchange.com. So anyway, I think you'll enjoy the interview, but before we get to that, we always got to start with a prayer, right? So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all glorious and gracious God, we come before you and praise your holy name. We ask, we ask that you forgive us of all of our many sins that you bestow grace upon us, that this grace will flourish in our hearts, that we will live out the sacraments that you have instituted upon this earth and given us through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray to live as saints, to live for your glory and for your purpose, to share your faith with every single person around us, to do as best we can to live holy lives and to seek reconciliation frequently and continued grace in the blessed sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. We pray especially during this troubling time in our world, economies crumble, faith weakens, and those with power tend to use it for the wrong reasons. So we ask for guidance and we ask for peace in our hearts and we ask for grace to see through all of this and focus upon your beautiful eyes of grace to stay focused on them and to, and to know and to have the strength and the courage to even though that we are surrounded by such negativity, such destruction, such influence in this world that we will do what is right even in the face of such wrong even in the face of all those shouting at us to do opposite of what we know to be true. Help us, help this country, the United States especially, to vote its conscience coming up at this election. I pray for all Christians, all Catholic Christians, to step out and vote their conscience, to vote what they know to be true, to preserve life 
the dignity of human life far outweighs all other political concerns. So give us the grace, dear Lord, to come together as your chosen people, the new Israel, and to stand up and to let our voices be heard for your glory alone. I seek this in your grace, and I pray for all those who listen to this podcast that they might be strengthened. They might be strengthened by you. May the Holy Spirit descend upon us, fill our hearts with the glory of God Almighty. We ask the intercession of our Blessed Lady to pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, it's time to break some bread with Dr. Scott Hahn. People take great care to dress for success as they prepare themselves for work. But are we dressing for success in our spiritual life? We've been invited to a banquet in the kingdom of God. Do we prepare for the banquet by dressing our lives in righteous deeds? Find out more next on Breaking the Bread. Our Lord's parable in the Sunday's Gospel is a fairly straightforward outline of salvation history. God is the king, Jesus the bridegroom. The feast is the salvation and eternal life that Isaiah prophesies in this Sunday's first reading. The Israelites are those first invited to the feast by God's servants, the prophets. For refusing repeated invitations and even killing the prophets, Israel's punished, its city conquered by foreign armies. Now Jesus makes clear God is sending new servants, the apostles, to call not only Israelites, but all nations, good and bad alike, to the feast of his kingdom. This is an image of the church, which Jesus elsewhere compares to a field sown with both wheat and weeds, and a fishing net that catches both good and bad fish. We've all been called to this great feast of love in the church where, as Isaiah foretold, the dividing wall of enmity has been torn down by the blood of Christ, separating Israel from the nations. As we sing in the psalm this Sunday, the Lord has led us to this feast, refreshing our souls in the waters of baptism, spreading the table before us in the Eucharist. As St. Paul tells us in this Sunday's epistle, in the glorious riches of Christ, we will find supplied whatever we need. And in the rich food of his body and the choice wine of his blood, we indeed have a foretaste of the eternal banquet in the heavenly Jerusalem, when God will destroy death forever. But are we dressed for the feast, clothed in the garments of righteousness? Jesus warns us that not all who have been called will be chosen. Let's be sure that we're living in a manner worthy of the glorious invitation we've received. This is Scott Hahn for Breaking the Bread. Breaking the Bread is a production of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. If you'd like to receive written copies of Dr. Hahn's reflections on the Sunday Mass readings, you can contact us by email at staff at salvationhistory.com or call us at 740-264-9535. That's 740-264-9535. 
Well, as I said, today's interview, today's special guest is Mickey Addison, a career military officer. We're going to get into his background. But the reason why I interviewed Mickey at all was because of a listener request. A listener emailed me and said, hey, you got to check this guy out. He's got an article over at CatholicExchange.com that I think you would really enjoy. And so I followed the link and I read the article and you're right. I was pretty blown away by that. It was talking about the dignity of women and what we can do as men to uphold the dignity of women. And one of the good techniques that we can use, especially those of us who struggle with addiction of pornography, a struggle with sexual temptation, which is pretty much all men that I know of, we can remember that they're daddy's little girl. And I did a show on this just a few episodes ago, and I think this fits right in to that topic. So I think you're going to enjoy this. So without any further ado, let's roll up our sleeves and let's dive deep and get into the truth about upholding the integrity of women with Mickey Addison. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This fool when I sit, even just a little bit, I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split. When I submit, fall on the floor and the door. Can't get enough, got to come back for some more. Hey, we've got a problem here. Send it every Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and today our special guest is Mickey Addison. Mickey is a career military officer with over 20 years' experience, or 20 years of service, rather. He is a veteran of Operations Southern Watch and Iraqi Freedom. He's been a parish-level catechist and Bible study leader, writes a weekly column entitled Saturday Morning Catechesis for RosaryArmy.com. He is also a contributor to CatholicExchange.com and is a motivational speaker. Mickey and his wife have been married for over 20 years, and they have two children. Mickey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad to be here. Well, Mickey, you know, one of my listeners actually sent me a link to your, one of your articles on CatholicExchange.com some, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and, and said, you know, I would really love to hear you interview, interview this guy. So I said, okay, let me read the article and see what's going on. And, you know, I read the article, and it really hit home to my heart. It was it was entitled, Somebody's Little Girl. And, Mickey, on this podcast, I share a, a tremendous amount of my personal journey in life and the fact that I was addicted to pornography for over 20 years. And and now that I've, I've had the conversion experience, now that God has, has really awakened my heart to sexual integrity as a man... He's also blessed me with a little girl. And so this this article really resonated with me. And, and I felt, oh, right away, oh, yeah, I'd love to interview this guy. You know, and, and fortunately, we've finally been able to make the schedule work. So thank you very much for taking the time tonight and, and letting me have this conversation with you. Can you well, just... I appreciate that, Joe. It, it's, uh, um, uh, it's, it's really gratifying to know that uh, the Lord's working through me to, to send a message to other folks. So I appreciate that. It, 
this this particular um, article was building for a, a long time, and uh, we, I'm a fan of Colin Ray. I don't know if you know Colin Ray, uh, but that song I think about you, and yeah. and I, I saw the video. Um, the video is him as a police officer, and he's got a little girl. You know, it's flashing back and forth to his little girl, and he's he's going from place to place, picking up a woman, taking her to a woman's shelter, or, or uh, you know, talking to a, a woman who's a prostitute on the street, trying to get her, you know, so get her some help and. And so, uh, you know, when I, and I just look around the world and, and, uh, and see what's, see what's going on with, with our little girls. And I, you know, I just, I feel like they should, they should have defenders. And, you know, I, I think that's, yeah. so that's kind of where that article came from. And, and, um, you know, I, I if, uh, my little girl, uh, I have a little girl of my own and, and I, and I, I know that I mean, the things I did, things I did and looked at and brought into my mind when I was a 20 year old or, or younger, uh, and even a little older, um, you know, you, you, you change a different, you have a different perspective when that little girl is you, and you realize that little girl in a magazine or that girl in the, on the video there, you know, she's a, she's a, she's somebody else's little girl. Oh, absolutely. I can remember the day that my daughter was born, and and my heart just, I felt my heart grow. You know, mm-hmm. I really, yeah. it was such a moving moment for me. I mean, for for the first time. I really understood what it meant to love another person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just remarkable. And so you're right. In this article, you, you talk about this connection that fathers have with daughters, and it's different than, than fathers with sons. And I have two sons now, so mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. And it, it's true that the, the connection with my daughter is really it's deep and it's um, very spiritual. And mm-hmm. and it's also very serious. I you know I came to realize that, you know, my daughter's success in life comes down to me, the way mm-hmm. the way I treat my wife, the way mm-hmm. I treat her, you know, the kind of man that she will one day uh, look for, will be mm-hmm. based on my example. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. a, we, such a tremendous responsibility. Oh, it is. You know, and we see that um, we see that over and over and over again. You know, we see that. I mean, and I hate to talk about Britney Spears, but she yeah. was having just be in the news. You know that her uh, the uh, the change in her life, which I I pray is going on right now for her, is is happening because her father finally stepped in and right. did something. You know, and and I you know sitting at the barber shop, you you got plenty of magazines to look at, and none of them are really good. You know, but um, <laughs> the uh, you know you st- you see all these headlines and these magazine covers of this poor woman, and I have to think that you know she and and other young women in Hollywood like uh, Lindsay Lohan who. God hopefully is, uh, is is on her way back, and other those lots of those other young women who are not famous in the news are are, are on their way to something better, and hopefully they realize you know that they are they got they have a dignity beyond what somebody can use to sell them. I, I remember a few years ago uh, going and seeing uh, you know just standing in the, in the supermarket line, and it was another I don't remember who it was, but it was one of these young young women who was a singer. Uh, and she was there on the cover of some magazine, uh, Newsweek or GQ or something, where the ones there at the, the supermarket tabloid section there, and you know, a skimpy outfit. And I had to think. I thought, you know, this, this this young girl has got talent. She can sing. Why does she feel like she has to show her body to get attention? Um, and, and but that's that's the way our society has oriented itself. And I, and I hope um, that if anything good, if God is able to use anything good to come out of the the Britney Spears and the Lindsay Lohan's and all the the nameless you know, girls out there that are uh, that people are using them. I, I really, really hope that um, that the society as a whole takes a step back and a big, deep breath and realizes what we are the, the, the kinds of messages and things that we are trying to sell to our young women. Oh, absolutely! It's it's horrendous. I mean, mm-hmm. it really. You look at women walking, just walking down the street. 
mm-hmm. and it you really wonder, you know, what goes on in their mind to, that makes them feel like they have to dress the, the way that they do or act the way that they do, and right. you know, they, they really, you know, and you also mentioned Humani Vitae in your article. And oh, my, yeah. You know, and this, it really nails, this was prophetic. It really, you know, Pope, the Pope nails this, you know, and he mm-hmm. says that contraception is not going to increase the dignity of women. It's going right. to, it's going to degrade the dignity of women. Right. It's going to take women from having this, this beautiful gift given to them by God to bear life and mm-hmm. turn them into something more like a man. You know, right. it sterilizes them, and it's yeah, exactly right. I, Dr. Janet Smith, I don't know if you ever heard her do right. her contraception. Why not on, on yeah. EWTN? Those are exactly the words she used. Right. She said that you know that makes them basically, basically it's it's making them chemically sterile and sexually available for men. It does, and you know the woman the woman by taking these oral contraceptives, especially oral contraceptives, but you know all the rest of them as well. You know the IUDs and all those other things. Um, you know that is that is it's got to have a psychological effect on a woman, whether she, or a spiritual effect, whether she recognizes it or not, because it is right. it, it is it is taking something that is makes her a woman and saying that's that's wrong or it's bad or it's interfering with your you know the, and so yeah right. I that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me as well I, I remember um, uh, reading Humana Vitae for the first time and and that's when the internet really took off in two thousand. And when I, I had read Rome Sweet Home by Dr. Scott Hahn, um, you know, how many lives has he changed with that book? <laughs> Another one things. bites the dust, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hope someday I get to meet him. I, I don't know that I'll be able to speak to him. But what a profound change. Let me just give you a sidebar. The first time I met him, I cried the whole time. I yeah. mean, it was, I was a blubbering idiot. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy was oh, probably yeah. thinking, what's going on here? But I really could not help myself. I mean, he... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had such a tremendous impact in my life. Right. I mean, the the only reason why I'm Catholic is because of the Holy Spirit and Doctor Scott Hahn. I mean, yeah. oh, I that's know. it. So I mean, well, yeah, I was absolutely. a very very lukewarm Catholic, you know, for a long time. I I went to K through twelve a Catholic school, and uh, uh, I got a, a pretty good solid education in the faith through eighth grade. Uh, we had a we had a a priest who knew how to celebrate the mass reverently and respectfully, and and uh, so, I mean, I learned how I learned what worship was about. I learned my faith. Uh, went to went to high school, and as wonderful as the staff was in my high school, and they were wonderful men and women, um, they were influenced by the the theological whims of the time. And that was, you know, all happy, gla- happy, clappy, hippy, drippy. Uh, <laughs> it's more important to draw pictures about Jesus than it is to learn what he taught. Right. And uh, and so we did a lot of talk about social justice and not much talk about these important life issues and chastity for young people. And so when I went to college, I went to a military college, I was immersed for the first time in a secular culture, I was completely unprepared for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I fell in right with everybody else. So, you know, yeah. for years, uh, uh, and then a year is just a, a, a very lukewarm, lukewarm racing father out the door uh, until I went to the desert uh, on my first deployment to the desert in 2000. And, and uh, a friend of mine recommended the book, Rome Sweet Home, and I got home and I read it. And, and uh, you know, he talks about, he and Kimberly talk about why they rejected, even before they were Catholic, why they rejected artificial contraception. Well, I had heard of Humane Vitae, but the only thing I'd ever heard of Humane Vitae was the rejection of it, of those old men and in Rome, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, they're just old celibate men. They need to get with the times, and the church will change eventually. Right. And then I went and read the, the document. I actually, I finally said, well, maybe I should go read what they wrote. And I read the document, and, and I got down to paragraph 17, and <laughs> which is part of the one I quote there in my, 
in, in my article, and I've quoted it many times in many different places. And I got to tell you, I was it was like the scales fell off my eyes. I remember reading that and thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is exactly what this is. This is this pornography business uh, that you know I have been involving myself in. This is exactly right. what." they were talking about. So yeah. um, I remember thinking when I heard John Paul II talk about the culture of death, you know, at the Denver uh, Youth uh, um, World Youth Day, I thought, well, that's a little over the top, culture of death. Gosh, where's he going with that? But, you know, after seeing it close up, yeah, right. it is. It's, it's death. Well, I mean, when you think about it from a natural law perspective, and my wife and I, I, I were keynote speakers in a pre-candid conference up in New Hampshire for three years. Mm-hmm. And we talked about we we had to give the talk on churches teaching on sexuality. We we would quote Humani Vitae. We would we would give Janet Smith's CD out. Uh, I'd, mm-hmm. I would give out Christopher West materials, the whole thing. But and we would it was always a negative response. It was always oh sure. I mean they, we just they did not particularly care for what we had to tell them. But we would I would always quote Humani from Humani Vitae, and I would always also approach this from a natural law kind of perspective. I mean, if you think about it, you're taking unnatural chemicals to to manipulate a natural p- process in the body. Sure. Just from a natural law perspective, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, mm-hmm. and the response is, well, you know, God g- gave us intelligence, so why shouldn't we use it? Well, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. Oh, sure. And it's the fruits of the works that they, we are known. And so, mm-hmm. and the fruits, fruits of contraception are all negative. Not right. only have we seen a, a dramatic increase in things like divorce, you know, un, uh, unwed uh, ch- children being born out of wedlock, uh, mm-hmm. abortion, you know, just you name it. But also, it's kill, literally killing the female body. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, what that was a, people just ahead. don't understand. People just don't get that. It's yeah, there was a, go ahead. No, Sorry. no, no <laughs> not, not at all. Go right ahead. I was going to say, there was an article. There was, they've, they've been talking uh, on Fox News today about uh, um, chemicals in the water. And one of the things that, that uh, and, and bioaccumulating in fish and getting into, um, um, getting into uh, you know, just the, into, into the food supply, hormones right. from oral contraceptives. Um, huh. I mean, I realize that is a you know that's kind of way down. But you know, I, it, I I said to my wife, I said, wouldn't it be something if this was the thing that finally made Americans and Westerners finally reject contraception when they see if if they can't see the evil it's doing to their own bodies spiritually right. and physically, if they see the evil it's being done to the environment. Um, so yeah, it's horrible. You, you know, you were talking about um, uh, the pre-Cana thing, and and uh, you know, paragraph. 13 of Humani Vitae, I think, is somewhere, if I, if I have it uh, I have it up, I was looking for it. But it talks about how hard it is for young people, um, and it's not 13, it's maybe further down, uh, how, how hard it is for young people to, to when exposed to temptation. That's back to paragraph 17. Mm-hmm. The young, so exposed to temptation, need incentives to keep the moral law. You know, and, and I, right. you know, there, there's something fundamentally different about having to go to the store and buy contraceptives or go to the store and purchase pornography or go sit into the, the you know, walk into the CD theater uh, and versus being able to do those things in the privacy of your own home. Nobody, you know, nobody sees you. Well, God sees. And even uh, what I, what I used to tell my airmen, you know, the air force doesn't have laws and rules because they want to have the, they, they want to cut off your fun. You know, it's the same thing with God. We have laws and rules. God has laws because he wants to keep us healthy, just like the Air Force has laws and rules to keep us mission ready. So 
um, you know, we, we, I think, I think we've got a skewed idea about, you know, God's not trying to cut our fun off. He's trying to give us life. <laughs> and right. He realizes, you know, he knows better than we do as a good father that, it, that these are things, you know, pornography and, and the sterilization. I mean, when was the last time you heard something from the, the pulpit on sterilization? I mean, right. taking a, it's literally mutilation. If you look up the definition of mutilation, it's taking a normal functioning human organ and mutilating it, right. uh, you know, so that it doesn't function anymore. I mean, I'm yeah. not talking about medical reasons to do that, obviously. There's right. But uh, well, I can't tell you how many how many debates I've had to have with Catholics over contraception. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I can't tell you. I, I'm always finding myself having to debate Catholics on the on the church's position of of contraception. It just blows me away. That uh, I mean, I find myself having more in common with most Protestants in in this regard. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. These our, our fellow Catholics in the pews are have really bought into the society hook, line, and sinker, you know. And it's unfortunate, and that's why I think it's very critical that we speak out about this matter, and we need to encourage our priests to preach it from the pulpit, you know, because that's the only way we're going to change. That's the only way we're going to educate and and, and inform, uh, oh, yeah. you know, our 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 church here in the United States, especially about this matter. But I know Europe is suffering from it as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I can't remember what this, what the statistic was, but Italy itself is a dying country. Yeah. <laughs> it's simply not reproducing. I mean, right. you're West, all, Western all Europe, Europe as a whole, yeah. yeah, Western Europe as a whole is below the replacement rate. And, yeah. uh, you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for immigration, the United States would be in the same boat. Right. Absolutely. How horrible is that? I mean, we're I we not only have we killed an entire generation through abortion, but we're simply sterilizing ourselves out of existence. I mean, mm-hmm. th- when we think we take this into context of the lie that that Satan has been feeding us, you know, the lie to women that mm-hmm. they need to you need to compete with men, you need to right. be as good as a man, you know, mm-hmm. you you need to be attractive and and appealing and 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 everything else this this whole lie and and think about the lie that that Satan has been telling men mm-hmm. you are a sexual being you you right. know your your manliness comes in your ability to to land women you know like right. trophies exactly. you know we consume women like they were commodities like a coke can and when oh, we're sure. done with them we crunch it up and we throw it to the side i mean this 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 whole lie that we that that Satan has been telling both sides is just it really is demoralizing and it's really destructive to to our way of life i mean and yet we wouldn't take that off of off of an enemy force you know we'll invade yeah. we'll invade countries that are you know for far less than that i mean oh, sure. it it boggles my mind it really yeah. is you know and and uh, you know on our, our priests god bless them i mean you know so so many of them um uh, you know, I grew up in a parish where we had three priests. Up in, so when I was I, up until I was a, probably a sophomore, or junior in high school, um, our parish had two or three priests. We had a pastor who was my senior, Vincent J. Wolf, um, who was absolute. I did not appreciate until later in life what a spectacularly good priest and pastor he mm-hmm. he was. Um, and then when he retired, uh, we had we ended up with two. And then finally, I think there's two priests there now. It's a big parish, you know, uh, my parish I grew up in. But, you know, you think about that big parish uh, that was probably, I don't know, 500 families, maybe 1,000 families, uh, whatever the right number is for a good-sized parish, and three priests, plus uh, four sisters, you know, plus an involved uh, um, some, you know, elders, of you, if you will, of the, of the church. Uh, you, you know, fast forward now 20 years, and the church I attend now has got uh, one uh, religious sister and one priest. 
wow. for the same you know the same size. So this poor man, um, and, and and then a lay staff. So this this poor man, you know, he it's you know it's easy to sit back for for me and go, gosh, I wish he'd done that. I wish he'd done that. But you got to realize this guy's probably working twenty hours a day every single day. Right. Um, and so the uh, you know it, it's I think it's a lot easier for us. For, um, I think it would be a lot easier for our priests to address these kind of issues if they weren't exhausted. I mean, we, we, you know, we need more, we need more vocations, and, right. and some priests do take it on, and some of them I know are just—they're just too tired. Yeah. They, they really are. They're just too tired for the fight, and right. and they want to, you know, they wanted to say mass. And so I, I pray for vocations constantly, and I pray for our priests to have perseverance and orthodoxy. So many, uh, so many good men have uh, have just have uh, allowed. Um, the, the the 70s, you know, yeah. to sway them into uh, into you know what to, to a, a theology, a kind yeah. of a feel good theology, and, and they don't get they don't give us the crunchy catechetics anymore, and right. and I, I think a lot of priests don't recognize the power they have to teach at mass. Yeah. Um, every every action, everything they do, every prayer, every choice of even vestments and what song, everything mm. um, is is catechesis for some people who's only contact with their faith is for an hour on Sunday morning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and unfortunately, it's all they're also the they're also the product of their seminary training. Oh, sure. And unfortunately, we we've had some fairly liberal seminaries, especially in the United States. You know, the last several decades. I think there's a trend that's sort of coming back around, though. Now, I think seminaries are becoming much more orthodox, and mm-hmm. I think the youth is actually hungry for orthodoxy now. At least that's that's my perspective in internet circles. You know, in the mm-hmm. in the blogosphere and in podcasting, I think people want orthodoxy now. They they mm-hmm. they've been subjected to all this other junk for so long now that they really want uh, something more um, more sincere and i think they're finding that in uh in some catholic circles so it's 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 refreshing in that regard i think the other problem uh priests face is they have too much business you know that they have to attend to they have par- mm-hmm. you know it's an administration that they have to keep going the the parish administration and that requires dollars and they're scared i think to some degree of preaching you know pro life themes you know, because they're afraid that the parishioners might might leave the pews, and that will oh, sure. mean less in the in the uh, offering basket. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it really requires our prayers for them, because we need we need them to not focus to on be that. not afraid. Yeah, to be not yeah, afraid. Yeah, and I, I I know a lot. I I'm, I've read you know um, a lot of place a lot of places where um, uh, where you know where priests who've gotten up and said that kind of things have had trouble, but other places where yeah, I think the the thing about contraception and abortion and sterilization and all these chastity issues, uh, like you said before, they, they really can be addressed from a natural law perspective. And um, so, I, you know, I've never had when I was able to have a give and take discussion with somebody when the and I and I go through the church's argument. I go, look, this isn't my idea. <laughs> this is not me enforcing my morals on you. Right. This is what the church says. And let me just let me just walk you through why. These things. This is the church says what it is. What she says. It's not because she wants to spoil your fun. Um, here's 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 why. She, you know that Jesus came to give us life and give it in abundance, and this is why it is. And when I go through the argument, they go, Oh yeah, well that makes sense. You know, this isn't maybe 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 those old men in in Rome aren't so stupid after all. Right. You know, and you go, well, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. So I think when people explain, and you know, and that's that's what sometimes, and uh, you know, it's up to the, sometimes as a lady to encourage encourage father, you know, father, yeah. if you explain it, they'll get it. 
Right. You, you just got to explain it in, in clear and simple terms. And, well, I mean, I think that's why people like Father John Carapi so much. You know, Father, right. Father Carapi doesn't mince words, man. That's right. He just lays it out. That's right. He <laughs> tells know? it like it is. That's that's, that's exactly right. right. And I think and people appreciate that. I think especially men. You know, men mm-hmm. men like it served straight up. You know. We don't mm-hmm. we don't want to beat around the bush and and, right. we, and so that's that's what we have the value of uh, Father Carapi and and also there's another really great one Father Philip Chavez who is a mm-hmm. personal favorite of mine he's got a, a men's ministry now and he's actually a confrier to uh, Father Carapi so yeah, I really good. love I really love his work but from your perspective as a as a catechist as a, a father I mean what what can you recommend to to dads how do we how do we mentor our daughters? How do we protect the dignity of, of our daughters? What what can we do as fathers? Well, I, I think the first, the most important thing is um, is to educate yourself on your faith and to understand the whys. And I think, and I think you know, you have to in order to do that. You know, men, you just you just got to re- go out there and you got to read what the church writes and you got to talk to godly men. Um, you know, read the Catechism, read Humana Vitae before you dis- dis- uh, dismiss things out of hand and say, those guys up in Rome don't know what they're talking about, or my bishop doesn't know what he's talking about, or my parish priest doesn't know what he's talking about. You need to actually read what they're saying, because uh, too easy, uh, it's too easy for people, you know, the Planned Parenthood of the world and the, people, the Margaret Sangers of the world and uh, to, to dismiss things and say, well, that's, that doesn't really apply to me today. And, right. and so that's the first thing, is education your faith. I think the second thing is uh, men need to uh, find the companionship of other men. Mm. And... Um, it's you know it's it's well and good for your spouse your wife to be uh, your best friend but you can't be your only friend you know you have to find the you know and for me um, and, and it's the Knights of Columbus and and it's uh, the men's group that meets at my parish I go once a month and just to surround yourself with other godly men for no other reason than to reassure yourself that you're not the only one who mm-hmm. thinks it's important to live a to try to live a, mo- a moral life and. Um, uh, you know, obviously, I think it's important for men to take advantage of the sacraments. Um, right. I, I try to go to confession at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I need to go more often than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but uh, so and then the the other thing I think is is important is is men need to understand once their conscience is, is properly formed. You know, they need to listen to their spidey sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is if you know your 17 year old daughter comes out dressed and you feel uncomfortable about how she's dressed. Um, then you know don't be don't be afraid to be a man and stand up and and kindly if if and firmly if necessary send her back to her room to get dressed, mm. um, you know and, I, and I'm not saying that it's all about what a woman wears but I mean the point is 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 uh, you know if, if your daughter is acting in a way or dressing in a way or speaking in a way that gives you the willies then there might be something going on there you need to listen to your spotty sense and yeah. and, and be an engaged father. And then the last thing I would say is, is get involved in the parish. You know, I have been, I love women. I'm a big fan um, of women in general. You know, my, my favorite saint is the Blessed Mother. Um, I married a woman. I like them so much. But uh, the, um, I, I, think it's, I think it's what we're missing in the modern you know, church in the United States is more male leadership in the parish. Right. And, you know, it's, it's not that women can't lead, because they certainly can. You know, right. you only look at, you look at this, the, the, the Queen Elizabeths and the, and the St. Catharines, um, and, the, the, you know, those are great, and the Mother Teresas, those are great women right. and great leaders, and we should look up to them. But, you know, the, the, the men can't sit on their hands. If, right. if, you, if, you look at, if you look up there on Sunday morning when it comes time for the Eucharist, and there's three altar servers, and they're all female. Right. And there's two lectors, and they're both female. And right. all the extraordinary ministers are female. Right. And three-quarters of the choir is female. 
um, then you know where are the men? Are there any men there? And right. and and this, the, the gospel calls us to action. And so we're not we're never going to get our sons to seriously consider the the priesthood if he looks on the altar every every Sunday and sees sees fathers surrounded by women. Yeah, what a great point. I mean, that's absolutely true. And you know, and Father Philip Chavez makes this point all the time. You know, men need to be called by other men. Mm-hmm. Men need to be instructed by other men. It's not that women aren't capable, because of course they are. But that's not the point. The point is, this is how God wired us. That if we're going to be called to battle, it needs to be by a man. <laughs> and unfortunately, because too many men are too cowardly to step up, women are very courageous. So they do step up because they have to. And, and this is why you see you know, single women trying to raise teenage boys and, and the struggles mm-hmm. with that. But at, you're absolutely right. In parish life, that's all we see. Adult faith you know, formation directors, they're women. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. I mean every, almost every you know, parish role is being filled by women, which is not in itself a bad thing. It's a great yeah. thing to see women involved, but men need to be involved too because you're right. We're not going to see more vocations until we see fathers influencing their sons and, and showing them not to say, hey, son, go to Mass and be the altar, altar boy. No, it's, mm-hmm. hey, son, watch me at Mass. Watch, right. watch my faith in life. Watch That's my right. walk with Christ. And then now, you gotta, you, now you follow me because I'm going to Calvary and you stay right on my heels. I mean, exactly right. that's exactly what it's right. going to take. Just yeah, exactly right. I was going to say that there, there was there's a great book if you like military history um, called This Kind of War by a, man, a military historian called T. R. Fahrenbach, and he talks about how you know orders in battle are not given by generals and majors; they're given by sergeants and lieutenants. Right. And that you know the sergeant and lieutenant can't be one of the boys. You know right. he's got that the the soldier has will only take orders willingly take orders to die from someone he regards as to be a super superior being. And, uh, you know, that which, what, what that means is, is that, you know, fathers uh, have to take a role in just exactly what you just said. Fathers have to say, follow me. It's not go and do that and let me watch you. It's follow me. And I remember growing up, my father did it, um, and many of my friends' fathers did it. I was an altar boy. I loved being an altar boy. Uh, but we'd be, we would be, you know, in the sanctuary with our dads. And, you know, it was, it, it was not uncommon for my friend and his dad or my other friend and his dad, or, or even two men, to be in cassock and surplus, and uh, you know, at 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 the uh, at the altar attending father and helping him helping him through the mass. And what mm-hmm. a great example that was, you know. And, and like I said, uh, like, I think neither one of us, uh, neither one of us are bashing women. Like we said, we right. we really appreciate it. and thank God these women have stepped up in a male leadership vacuum. Right. And I thank God for them. I mean, you know, you look at the cross. Who was left? It was the women and Saint John. <laughs> right. You know, the exactly. kid, the kid, and the women were the only ones that were left. Right. But uh, at the foot of the cross. So thank God for them. Well, but this is I, a... you know, I, I think we're got, we're not yeah. going to get vocations for the priesthood until right. young men in the pews can look up and see. Uh, somebody else up there in the sanctuary with father besides other women. Well, this is a trend that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three at, you know, when, when God walked in the cool of, of the, of the day in the garden to, to call Adam and Eve and Satan out to a confession to judgment, you know, who, who's the only one standing there with integrity? It's not Adam. It's Eve. Yeah. You know, Eve's like, well, I was beguiled, and 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 I I just you know fell prey, and I and I did it. I'm I'm really sorry. Yeah. What's 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 Adam do? Adam points the finger at Eve and says, "It's this woman," and then yeah. and then then what's he do? Right. Then, then he then he moves the finger over to God and goes, "That you gave me." 
You yeah, gave right. me this woman, and she made me do it. So this is all your fault. You're to blame yeah, for all right. my troubles. Adam had no yeah. integrity. Eve was yeah. the only one with integrity in the garden. And so we see this trend still today. You know, it's the women who are stepping up. And, and, and it's not going to change. It's not going to get better until men do, until men start stepping up and making a, making a difference. And, you know, and that's the best dads that I know in my parish. You know, that I, when I talk to them, they said, well, I had to get involved if I was going to show my kids the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's really that's really where it's at. You know, and, that, and, and I think the, from my perspective in my this podcast is I always try to tell guys, look, your your goal shouldn't be tomorrow. I'm going to be perfect tomorrow. Right. I'm going to have it all figured out tomorrow. I'm going to say all the right things. I'm going to do all the right things. No, tomorrow you just simply get up to say, I'm going to try. Today I'm going to mm-hmm. try because yesterday I didn't. Today I'm going to try. And when I fall sure. down today, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to try again. And you're just going to keep doing it. And that's and that's just the way it has to be, I think. You know, it's so critical. I want to switch gears just a bit because uh, you being a military man, I'd love to have your perspective on this. You know, I was I joined the Marine Corps at 17. My mother mm-hmm. had to sign me over. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I became government property. Yeah, and and sure. I, I remember, because I, I went to the Marine Corps, I watched all the movies a hundred times before, Full Metal Jacket, I watched them all, you know, before uh, going to boot camp. And I left boot camp as the company honor man. I was number one out of 450 Marines, and, and uh, I was on cloud nine. I was... And then I got out into the to the to the fleet, and my bubble burst. <laughs> I mean, what I realized was it's it the, the military life was not the romantic you know movie dream that I, that I had. Stands of Iwo Jima. Exactly. You know, it was it was a lot more chaotic than that. And you know, from from speaking of this these issues of masculine leadership and and contraception and and all these other things that go on i so many of my friends were alcoholics in in rehab well before they turned 21 mm. i mean this was just a, a way of life you know in the circles that that i was familiar with anyway from your perspective and i always thought well why is this you know we we send these teenagers off to to the to the military they go through boot camp and the military is not going to be your mom and dad, but you know, from your perspective as a as an officer, as a, a twenty years in in the military, how do you see our young people in the military these days? Are they still struggling with these issues? I mean, how is the military dealing with these things? Well, um, the, you know, of course, obviously, the young men and women that we get are products of society, um, and so. They bring that with them, but I'll tell you the the we have been. I don't, I don't know what what year you were that you got out of the Marine Corps. Ninety five. Ninety five. I got in. I got in in eighty seven. Uh, so probably about the same time that you got in, and and then uh, it, we've been through. Um, uh, in especially uh, since nine eleven, you know these young men and women that are volunteering to serve their country today, they're they're volunteering to serve an armed forces that's at war, and they know right. it. Right. Um, it, the uh, you know every sufficiently large organization is going to have its problems with uh, with young people making poor choices. But my experience in the military so far um, has been that th- those numbers are small uh, compared to society at large. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, we have we have good education programs in the military now. And, you know, there's a little bit of uh, I'm I'm not under mom and dad's thumb anymore. Right. Um, and some some commanders and first sergeants are better at setting the tone than others. 
but we, frankly, we're too small to, uh, and, and we're deployed too much. For, mm-hmm. And the airmen re- recognize that when they are abusing alcohol or drugs or, or each other, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we have a very strong um, sexual assault education program in, in the Air Force and, and DOD at large to teach young people how to interact with each other, that, yeah. that every male-female relationship is not required to end up in the bedroom. It's, it's okay <laughs> to have a friendship right. with, a, with a girl or a boy. Um, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we expect a lot of them, and they're deployed a lot. And mm-hmm. they recognize that when one of them falls out, that means some other, some other person has got to go in there, some other airman has got to go in their place. And so I, I am very impressed uh, and pleased uh, on the whole with our with our young men and women they are they are bright mm. uh, they are um, uh, they are they're patriotic yeah. uh, they know what the, that, that, that that they're out to serve their country they know their country's at war and they want to go do that usually when somebody gets wounded and we've had a lot of airmen um, you know it's it's a it's not a very well kept it's a pretty well kept secret actually that our airmen don't just fly airplanes. You know, we've got uh, right. a lot of airmen. Two thirds of the Air Force doesn't fly, and a lot of those non-flying airmen are deployed in what we call in lieu of taskings with the Army and the Marine Corps outside right. the wire, uh, running convoys and uh, right. doing combat engineer tasks and EOD and all sorts of things. And and when one of those young men or women gets wounded um, and gets evacuated out to recover, the first thing they want to know is how their buddies are, and the second thing they want to know is when can they get back. So, wow, praise they, God. Uh, I'm very impressed with the young men. I've had a chance to serve with the Marine Corps overseas um, during when, when there was a, a Marine wing that was at my base when we invaded Iraq. Yeah. And uh, uh, same thing with soldiers and CBs. So I, I've, I've got a pretty good uh, cross section, I think, of the young men and women in the military. And and uh, I'm very very impressed with them uh, on the whole. I really am. They are a, they are a tremendously energetic good bunch of people. I tell you what, one thing about the young people though that that uh, is is disturbing is um, and increasingly more and more young people enter service and they list they are unaffiliated they're unchurched um, their parents just didn't take them to church their right. parents uh, you know they, they don't know you know some of them if they will, will think that yeah I'm, I remember I think I'm Christian or I had one young airman one time um, she asked me I was talking about religion she asked me some questions and I was answering her questions you know and I said well you know what are, are you what, what religion are you? And she said, oh, I'm Catholic. I said, oh, well, where do you go to Mass? Do you go to Mass here on base? She goes, no, I don't go to church. I said, oh. Well, she goes, I, said, I said, so did you used to go with your mom? No, we, I don't think we ever went. I said, well, then how can you be Catholic? You know, well, my mom was Catholic, and I think I was baptized. Right. So, you know, they, they, um, they, they, don't, uh, they're, they're, they don't understand. Yeah. They don't understand. You know, they, they think that many of the young people who are uh, a, a not small number that come into our service um, are are just they're unchurched, and so there's a. Uh, I mean, obviously we don't proselytize. Um, right, you sure. try to live your faith. You try to live your faith out as best you can, so that somebody knows that. Because I mean, there's no, there's never a question. Uh, you know, if anybody knows whether I'm a Christian or not, right. and uh, so you try to be a good example as best you can, and set a good example. The chaplains, uh, we have, we're fortunate at every every military base I've ever been at, anyway, to have daily mass. I'm pretty blessed to be able to attend wow. mass almost every day. And uh, same thing in the Pentagon. When I was at the Pentagon, I actually uh, um, was. We'd have usually 30 to 40 people for daily mass when I was at the Pentagon, and it was actually the chapel was built on the point where the airplane impacted the building. Wow! So that's really holy ground right there. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. So, but you know, the, the chaplains are available. You know, the chaplain's purpose obviously is to provide for the free exercise of religion for every airman, regardless of what their faith is—Christian, Jewish, yeah. Muslim, Buddhist, Wiccan, whatever. Right. Um, and they do that. They do a real good job of that. But they also are there to provide um, 
you know, uh, religious services to those who want them and, right. and moral guidance to the commanders. You know, you can call up the chaplain and say, hey, I'm, I'm having, I'm really struggling with this issue. What's, what's your perspective on that? Right. So. Well, you know, I think we need to pray for our chaplains quite a bit, though, actually. I, I happen to know a retired uh, Navy chaplain. He was in the military, mm-hmm. I think, 20 plus years. And um, he was telling me that there's a tremendous amount of pressure on Catholic priests in the military these days. Um, to be less Catholic, to be mm-hmm. more, you know, mainstream. So we ha- mm-hmm. we should pray. And even on on Protestant, you know, pastors in the military, there's a lot of pressure on those guys too, yeah. you know. And and that's the way of society. That's the way of the devil putting that pressure mm-hmm. on them. And so I think there's, you know, a great deal uh, of need to to pray for these these ministers in the in the armed mm-hmm. services. Because we're sending these these young men and women into very stressful situations. Mm-hmm. Um, my uncle was wounded in Afghanistan a, a year, two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we personally know what, what it takes. And and, um, and you're right. They're unfortunately they're the product of their family. They're the product of their mm-hmm. society, and and they simply just don't know their faith. My first encounter with the Catholic Mass was at boot camp. You know, on Sundays, oh, yeah. on Sundays, I wanted to be out of the barracks <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> That's a good call at boot camp. <laughs> so, so I went to uh, I went to the Protestant service because at the time I was Church of Christ, and uh-huh. uh, and then I stayed for the Catholic Mass after. I didn't receive or anything, but I I just sat right. up in the back and and I sort of just watched. And actually, I remember it, you know, being very reverent and more mm-hmm. so than the Protestant service. And I remember something something re- you know resonated with me at that you know during that time. Mm-hmm. I was, however, very agnostic, though, so yeah, I right. wasn't paying too much attention, but it was that was my first experience. So, you know, it is a blessing to have these these chaplains and these chaplains. And if you study military history, there is a tremendous, you know, heroic stories to be told about these chaplains in the face of danger with no weapon in the front mm-hmm. lines, ministering last rites to, to dying soldiers, despite, you know, the danger to themselves. It's quite impressive. And oh, yeah. these are some holy, holy men uh, doing this, doing this work. So praise God for that. Oh, I'm, I'm very grateful. My, when I was uh, when I was deployed to Saudi Arabia, I had the great honor of being uh, um, being friends with our chaplain, and uh, I would uh, he would go say mass. He'd go to the embassies to say mass. Well, uh-huh. in, in in Saudi Arabia, it is illegal um, for him to, to do anything other than pr- to pray privately. Right, and so. Um, the, you know, we we could not have anything. We were dressed in civilian clothes. We he could not have anything in his car that identified them as a Catholic chaplain. Um, but to see these people, there was a waiting list. Can you imagine a waiting list huh. to get into mass at the embassies? And to see how happy because the military chaplains all took turns going down there and saying mass for these people, and wow. to have them, to, you know, it was it was it, you got a sense of what it might have been like for you know for St. Paul or yeah. or, uh, or St. Peter or any of the apostles sneaking around because you know you had to go the gates are guarded by uh, on the outside by Saudi Arabian police. Right. Uh, if we'd had a car wreck, you know, if we'd had a car wreck, we we went one time we went to go visited uh, visited a woman a Christian woman Catholic woman who was in the uh, in the hospital um, mm. being treated for. Something, but she had a long stay, and she wanted to have her confession heard, get last rites, and and so you know he had to walk in there with nothing, uh, you know, no stole, no rosary, no Bible, no nothing. You know, walk in and as a as you know, you know Joe Bob, and uh, and he would and went up you know in some place private where they could speak together and he could he could administer the sacraments. But really, you could just you can imagine the hunger for people yeah. for the sacraments and for the Word of God, and and it, it make it really makes you appreciate. Right. Um, 
really makes you appreciate, you know, the access that we have to to practice our faith, whatever it is. But thank God for our Christian faith right. um, here in the West. Absolutely. Well, Mickey, I really appreciate your time tonight. It's been a real blessing to be able to speak to you, and I really hope that you'll have many more opportunities to to share your insights and to share your faith, you know, to your to your airmen and to the rest of us as well. Well, thanks a lot, that Joe. I appreciate that. It's I've, I've really enjoyed I, I enjoy doing this. I'm, I'm starting a a, a speaking career, so uh, I enjoy. I've had a chance to do a couple of uh, a couple of events here in, in the local area, so I really enjoy doing that, and, and I enjoy writing my column. My chance to to uh, to share a little bit about about the faith. So I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you this evening. I've really enjoyed it myself. If any of my listeners want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Best way is uh, via email, and I would encourage them to go to rosaryarmy.com and check out the Saturday morning catechesis, uh, as well as all the other columnists, Maria Johnson from uh, from Monday Musings and Father Finelli and and some of the others. Uh, really, and the podcast from Greg and Jennifer, uh, really fabulous. Another SQPN um, podcast. So. I encourage you to do that. And then I, my, my email is addisoncrew at gmail.com, and the link is right there at the bottom of my uh, of my column, uh, and it appears every Saturday morning, Saturday morning catechesis. All right. Praise God. Mickey, God bless you. You too, Joe. Thanks a lot. Well, there you have it. Daddy's little girl with Mickey Addison. What'd you think? I really would like to know. Give me a call today at 713-568-6277. That's 713-568-6277. Call me. Let me know. Give me your feedback. I thought that was a great interview, and I think you'll enjoy that as well. So uh, stop by the blog at www.catholichack.com, where you can not only find the feedback phone number but you can also email me you can download each in every single show we've produced so far you can leave comments you can catch me on facebook and twitter and four marks as well as the new uh, catholic social media site john 654 uh, you can find me there as catholic hack make sure you uh, invite me to be your friend i would love to connect with you that way it's an awesome way for podcasters and listeners to create this community and really interact with one another. And that's really what I like about podcasting, because you have a very close connection with your listening audience and you become a part of this podcast just as much as I'm a part of the podcast. And that's really why we do it. So make sure you check that out, as well as another website called My Catholic Voice. Now, My Catholic Voice has been around for a couple of months but they're still really getting started. And uh, what's neat about them is they link Catholic media together by keywords. So if you're looking for something on the Eucharist, let's say, it'll pull together videos and audio material as well as articles based on those keywords that are, you know, content specific. So if you're a, let's say you're a catechist and you need material on the Eucharist, well, you can go to this website, mycatholicvoice.com, and you can plug in the keywords. And you can get videos and, like I say, audio materials, podcasts, even the Catholic Hack podcast, as well as the Hands and Feet podcast, and other podcasters will come online soon. So be sure and check that out. It's uh, kind of a new thing, and it's uh, kind of neat. So stop by. If you send them any feedback, let them know that I sent you. Hey, listen, I would love to give you a prize. That's right. I have a copy of the faith database. Now, some of you may have heard about this. 
This comes from Jerry Usher with uh, Catholic Answers well, and Third Millennium Media. Well, Jerry Usher and his team have put together this faith database. If you're a budding apologist like myself, you know, an amateur wannabe, I guess, well, you, you need to have a sort of a big library. Well, the faith database can help you with this because it has tons and tons and tons and tons of documents, all that are searchable. And this, this can give you the, sort of the tools you need to help defend the faith. You have evangelicals that you speak to or Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons maybe, maybe even some atheists. Well, this material really will help you out in that regard. And I have free copies to give out. They have supplied them to me, and I cannot wait to get them into your hands. And I want to do that today. So... I'll take the first caller at 713-568-6277 who can tell me where in the Bible, where on the pages of sacred scripture do we Catholics point to to refer, to defend the doctrine of Mary's Immaculate Conception. That's what I want. It's not that hard. I know you can do it. So call me today. Tell me where you find Mary's Immaculate Conception in sacred scripture, and I'll give you a copy of the faith database. And I will also give you a free Catholic hack t-shirt. Now I'm itching to give one of these away. I haven't given one away in quite a while. So I think it's about time. So don't delay. Call me today. Call me right now. 713-568-6277. And tell me, defend for me, Mary's Immaculate Conception. Do that today. And you'll have your own copy of the faith database. Like I said, be sure to check out the website at www.catholichack.com where you can pick up your own Catholic Hack t-shirt and mug right there on the Catholic Hack store, as well as the online bookstore through Catholic Company. That's all on the website, so go today and check that out. I sincerely appreciate all your support. I appreciate all the feedback that I've been given, all the support on iTunes. It really has made a tremendous difference. And I also want to tell you that I am getting very, very close to producing the St. Ignatius audio series on CDs. I have the funding now, and I have the outlet. I simply need to find the time to finish the introduction, and then get the CDs produced. So we are very, very close. So please keep that project in your prayers and know that it is coming. And I think, I really feel in my heart that this is a kind of a project that can reach out to non-Catholics and help them see the beauty of this Catholic faith of ours and come home to the church, the one true church that Christ founded. So I would sincerely appreciate your prayers. But also love for you to pray for some very close friends of mine whose daughter has Lyme disease. Also, I want you to pray for my stepmother who has breast cancer. So please keep these people in your prayers, as well as many other people in our community, in our world, who suffer daily with the cross that they've been given. Let us keep them all in our prayers. Once again, thank you so much for supporting this podcast, and I would sincerely appreciate you stopping by iTunes and leaving me a review and subscribing to this show through iTunes. It really does help. It evangelizes people whom you don't even know. So do that today. Well, until next time, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me, and may God richly bless you. God bless. SQPN, the best in Catholic podcasting.